I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Football, Philosophy, and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast a show where a philosopher and a rocket scientist try to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Football, Philosophy, and Rocket Science podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. Hi, and welcome to Football, Philosophy, and Rocket Science. He is the left guard, Dr. Joel Cade, philosophy professor at the left guard. I'm the Village Elliot at TH Village Elliot. Together, we hope to offer unique perspectives on the hardest game in the universe, NFL football, and the strangest team to ever attempt to play at the Cleveland Browns. We do not claim to be the best analysts in the land, nor do we claim to follow the best team in football, but we are absolutely unique. Joel really is a PhD in philosophy, and I really am a former Air Force specialist in space power and propulsion at beautiful Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio home of the deadliest fighting force in the world. Uh, now, what do we got on tap uh, today? What are we going to talk about, Joel? What do you well, want to talk about? You know, Elliot, before we get going on this, I want to mention this microphone. So if you're not watching this on YouTube, Elliot's got this, like, golden microphone in front of him. It, it gives off a very Rush Limbaugh vibe. I don't know if that's what he wants to give off or not, but that's what he's giving off. So it, it is a, an absolutely slick microphone. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. I can't get past it. All right. On today's agenda, we are talking about rule changes that the owners have crammed down our throats. Uh, but first, I hear we have some letters from our adoring audience. Yes, we really do have some letters. Uh, sometimes people have questioned the origin of our letters, but these really are from actual fans. Uh, this is a text that I was sent uh, by Kathy S., uh, my classmate at Berea High School. And this actually is uh, third hand, uh, which came from her brother, Chris, her older brother, Chris. And uh, it reads as follows. Very special. My good childhood friend and still to this day, early 1960s next door neighbor at the greenhouse uh, on uh, Fifth Avenue. That's in Berea, if you're familiar with the area. And uh, just uh, uh, in case you don't know, uh, Berea is the residence, was the residence of Lou Groza the place kicker and uh, uh, tackle for the Cleveland Browns. And he was you know, basically a well-known citizen. Everybody knew Lou. Um, but it reads, uh, continues on. Uh, a sad day. As a kid growing up in northern Ohio in the 1960s, Jim Brown was the ultimate athlete. My dad was friends with Lou Groza, and we went to Hiram College in what I think was summer of 1962, to see the Browns prepare for the upcoming season. My dad was a big guy for those days, 6'2 tall and probably 260 or 270. Out of the showers comes Jim Brown with just a towel around his waist. Lou Groza calls him over and introduces him to my dad and me. Jim Brown made my dad seem smaller. 
I got to shake his hand. As a 12-year-old kid, it is a big deal to meet one of your heroes. My dad took me to a game where Jim, okay, this would be a different game, I guess. Uh, Jim Brown uh, ran for over 200 yards, two plays, a 72-yard touchdown, and a 73-yard touchdown were the highlights on what became Jim Brown's signature and run. I think it was against the Redskins. Today, there is a lot of discussion about GOATs in capital letters in all sports. For me, it will always be Jim Brown. As the years pass, I have watched a lot of public people. Jim Brown, as an athlete and person, has always been there as a role model and memory I have cherished. A childhood icon was JB. He was my inspiration in life to become a football running back. R.I.P. Jim Brown. That's a great tribute, heartfelt. You know, I think my favorite part of that was when she talked about how, excuse me, he talked about Jim Brown running for 200 yards against the Washington Redskins. So if you guys don't know a lot about the Washington Redskins organization, just look up their owners, the way their owners have behaved in the past. And I'm not talking about the recent owners. I'm talking about original owners and what they've done in terms of social, uh, uh, <clears throat> civil rights and their records. And to see that Jim Brown had a signature game against the Redskins, that's that's somewhat satisfying. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> that is certainly true. Uh, yeah, Washington, D.C. was uh, not necessarily the most progressive town um, uh, in terms of civil rights. Oddly, you might think that it was, uh, um, you know, very liberal, but it was not. It was actually really a southern town uh, in terms of its uh, local mm -hmm. politics. It really was. And I, I think the owner at the time knew that it was a southern town and oh, tried absolutely. to absolutely. market it as a southern town, bring in players that reflected it was a southern town. Um, it's it's not a secret that the Redskins were the last team to integrate into uh, African-Americans into their organization. So it, it's somewhat satisfying to hear that. Yes, I, I will <laughs> agree with you on that point. Do we have any other letters, Elliot? Uh, what we do, this is actually not a letter directly to us, but this is kind of amazing. Um, this is a um, post that uh, Ray Farmer made, uh, believe it or not. Uh, Ray Farmer, you will recall is a former general manager for the Cleveland Browns. 2014 draft. Just just putting and, it out there. <laughs> That's Elliot's favorite draft is the 2014 draft. Yeah, that was, it was, Justin uh, Gilbert, Johnny Manziel. That's his yeah, favorite all draft. Yeah, my favorite players were taken in that draft. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm um, yeah, here it is. Okay, hang on. Uh, Ray Farmer, uh, Texan people, put Johnny Manziel yeah, in the game. he's looking pretty good. He's got a beard now, I guess, at least in his okay. picture. says, I agree with most of this. LeBron James, with no father, no education, no training, and very few role models, they handed this young, dirt-poor kid 420000 per week at the age of 18. He married his high school sweetheart, was never arrested, never used drugs, never humiliated his spouse with side chick stories, no outside babies. 
never in the news with so much as a parking ticket. Excellent father, heavily involved with his kids' activities. Greatest player on the planet in the game today. 20 years later, same dude, same maturity, same chick, same family, reputation intact, now earning close to $2 million per week, has sent 1,100-plus kids to college fully paid for. And you hate him. Why? Long live the king. Or actually, Kang. I can't say that with a proper inflection, but you know what he means. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I thought that was a pretty good post. Uh, Ray Farmer, thank you very much. Uh, former general manager of the Cleveland Browns wrote a very nice uh, post on behalf of LeBron James the King. Okay, I don't think anybody fine. ever really questions LeBron James as like off the field character or anything like that. I think if if there's, I mean, maybe somebody is upset that he's gone to Miami. Still, I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but <laughs> there might be somebody out there. Questions. I mean, I'm not upset at LeBron James as a person. I, I I'm I'm not a big social advocacy like you are. I mean, I'm just here to watch the sports. That's why I do things like I want to see people play. Whatever they do off the court, I don't really care. You know, but he's one of these guys that actually is a Boy Scout. And I don't know if he is literally, but is a good guy off the court and a good basketball player. So that's that's a hard combination to find. Um, So I did like how he said he's the best basketball player on the planet today, like emphasizing playing basketball because – I still sit in the Michael Jordan camp, and I know that's not going to be a popular take in in Cleveland. But you know, I was in college in Chicago when Jordan was there. It, it's a different thing. So, but good for LeBron James, good guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, and I think actually, um, uh, I think the way that the the post is written, it's not actually. It's a, it's a little bit contradictory because I think what he meant was that it's at the time he was the greatest player at the planet because then he goes to 20 years later. So he was talking about um, at the time he was an excellent father, and, you know, 20 yeah. years ago, was the greatest player on the planet. And then he shifts to 20 years later, same dude, same maturity. But I don't think he means he's the greatest player in the planet in 2023. Nobody. Really well, I'm just speaking that. to the the infamous Michael Jordan, LeBron James debate. Yeah. I think that's a silly debate. It doesn't make sense to compare players that don't play against each other because, you know, Oh, but Um, people love to compare people from different eras. Yeah. I know. Like what would happen if Babe Ruth in his prime faced off against Roger Clemens in his prime, you know, things like this. Yes, I know, but it's, it's really, people love it. It's really dumb because you can even get ESPN to CGI it if you wanted. And like they can get a computer to simulate it, like a thousand at bats, and then CGI the at bat, and people will I think know. it's just tremendous. Computers simulate stuff, but we're different species <laughs> now. We have a different gene pool to draw from. We are not the same. I, I agree. Not the same. It is I agree. I scientifically agree. foolish to compare. Uh, we have uh, different uh, numbers of people. You know, you're talking about how many athletes, uh, how many teams were involved. Uh, how big was the uh, gene pool that was being drawn from? Uh, statistically, come on, Elliot, you're no fun. Stats aren't fun. Come that's on. That's why you hire a scientist <laughs> to comment on stuff like this to 
avoid these kind of foolish comparisons that make no sense. And uh, and oh, and by the way, speaking of social justice, when Babe Ruth was setting all of his records, uh, there were no African Americans allowed to play baseball, even though Babe Ruth was probably partly African American. There were no African Americans for him to play against. So all the statistics and stuff don't make any sense. Uh, you know, they're they're completely against a different uh, set of uh, of uh, uh, players and circumstances. And you know, well, uh, Elliot, I appreciate you solving this debate for us. Yes. Okay. We're, yeah, we're going to yeah. go back to having no fun. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Moving on to our next topic. Let's 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 move on to the next topic here. We have. Recent rule changes in the NFL. There are three new rules that we kind of probably need to talk about. Okay. Um, the first one um, is the quarterback rule. So now teams are allowed to dress and have a third string quarterback on the game day active uh, active roster, or I think they're the so game were they day actives. Before? Were they no, you just didn't have a third string guy. Oh. You just didn't have a third-string guy. Then you had Brock Purdy out there in the NFC Championship game just out there handing the ball off, which kind of hurt San Francisco. So, broken arm. Yeah, that was horrible. They could have injured him for life. That was horrible. So now you're allowed to dress three quarterbacks, and the third quarterback does not actually count against the game day actives. So it's like a freebie. Okay. Because the, the NFL cares. So you pretty much are obliged to have a quarterback as part of your practice squad. Is that what I understand? Well, you at least need to have three because you're allowed to dress three. Okay. So you don't have to have all three on the active roster. Your your third guy can actually right. be yeah, on the practice he's squad. Not on the, he's not on the 53. Correct. But he does have to be on the practice squad. Is that right? I, I'm guessing. I, I mean, you sure. might be able to, like, dress up the garbage man or the – the trash guy, or I, I don't know, you could dress him up. I mean, yeah. didn't the Broncos during COVID bring out some guy from the grocery store and had him play quarterback? Or oh no, he was play, he was he was bagging groceries. Then it became a wide receiver, and then two weeks later, he started as a quarterback. Quarterback, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I, 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 I remember sure that. How that works, but it probably makes sense that you would have a quarterback on the practice squad, uh, right? To be that third quarterback, yeah. Um, now, an interesting question would be, so whether, regardless of what the exact rule is, as a practical matter, there will be a third quarterback that's located either on the active roster or on the practice squad. Now, the interesting mm-hmm. question from my standpoint would be, is are you being incentivized, if you're the general manager, to carry that third quarterback uh, as a member of the 53-man roster, or would you rather carry only two quarterbacks on the the 53 permanent roster and mm-hmm. then just have a practice quarterback that you would use as your extra guy what's your strategy joel mine yeah. well, i know i'm going to dress him on game day so why does he have to be on the roster if i need him to play he's going to be there mm-hmm. the only question just becomes if i have a quarterback injured i got to put him on ir then i'm going to have to pull him onto the active roster and get a new third string quarterback for the uh, practice squad. But if I'm a GM, I'm just sitting there putting this, I'm stashing this dude on the practice squad because you don't have to have him on your active roster to put him on game day. Well, okay. The question becomes this in my mind is 
what is your purpose for having a third string quarterback on the roster? Is it because you're worried about injuring the first two guys or is it because you wanted, you know, you don't have a farm system in football, obviously. Do you have that third string quarterback on the roster because you're hopeful of developing him to actually play football for you uh, two or three years from now? I would argue that the reason why you have the third string quarterback uh, is not the insurance policy because you want him to play. It's because you want to actually develop him as a prospect. And well, I've got, an, I've got. Case, in that case, you're afraid that some other team might get him and take him away from you. So I think you do uh, still want that third string quarterback, and this rule change will not influence that. That's what I. So here's what I think. If you're a team out there with a starting quarterback who might have some small hands, you want to go out there and sign a couple backups. Let's say maybe Mitch Trubisky, maybe, I don't know, maybe some other guy. I can't think of his name right now. We just talked about Mason Rudolph. Just in case your starter ends up not being who you thought he was. Or in case your starter from the previous year, Ben Roethlisberger, for example, may be out there actively rooting against your franchise, future franchise quarterback, hoping that he will stink so people will continue to pay attention to Ben Roethlisberger, you might want to have that third option on the roster just in case. Ben, we miss you. Come back, Ben. Look at this guy. Small hands. What are we going to do? Okay. Well, <clears throat> <laughs> on to rule number two, unless you got any more comments on this. No, I, 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 I do challenge that. Look, Pittsburgh is a very good case in point. So you have three quarterbacks mm-hmm. on the roster now that we believe would be NFL quarterbacks uh, of some sort. Uh, not necessarily starters, but certainly capable as backups. Do you cut one? That sounds wrong. Well, do you're going to have to cut them. The and uh, do you then uh, just hire some, uh, you know, super emergency quarterback? You know, you'd save money on the salary cap if you cut a uh, quarterback. Let's say you cut Trubisky. You save money on the salary cap, let's say, and uh, you just hire a quarterback every week to be on the practice squad for the minimum amount of money just as an emergency guy. And you don't really um, have anybody uh, you know, just a second string quarterback. Is that what you do? Do you save money on the third string quarterback? I, I, or I think, <laughs> no, you keep all three because you you think that you might want to actually play one at some point. Well, if, if that's I, I'm agreeing with you because you think that because you think you're either your starting quarterback is going to get hurt or they you don't think they're going to perform up to what you think they are. See, it doesn't make sense for the Browns to carry a third quarterback on on the active roster that's my opinion just just stash dorian thompson robinson on the practice squad you can't okay. stash him on the practice squad because somebody else will like him and they'll they'll take him for themselves okay 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 let's waivers. say let's say we got to clear he's keep never going to clear waivers okay well let's say we keep him let's let's take it out of the browns let's go to pittsburgh you could just cut mason rudolph nobody else wanted him that's why he re-signed with pittsburgh Okay. Okay. Now hold on. I have decided I'm doing research. I'm doing research on how to do podcasts, right? So I looked up the fans first sports network podcast people who do the Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. And I decided to listen to it just to see what they're doing. Why, how are they getting all these numbers? Right. 
And this is exactly what they're talking about. Oh, they re-signed Mason Rudolph because nobody else wanted him, and he didn't really have a chance, and so he figured this is the best place to play football, so why not? Like, that's did their he, discussion. Did he sign for the NFL minimum, and did he sign for zero guaranteed dollars? Would you pay Mason Rudolph more than the NFL minimum? Yes, I would. I wouldn't, but anyway... I just yeah, personally, I think, personally, I, think, I would just draft somebody and make them my third string quarterback. Anybody who threw for 300 yards plus in an NFL game is better than a uh, minimum wage quarterback. But yeah, okay. I, I've got some guaranteed money. Let's let's move on, Elliot. You can look up while you're looking up the guaranteed money. I'm gonna like talk about the second rule change. Okay. So this this one's a little bit more complicated, and I think it's a little bit more controversial. Uh, the NFL is looking to reduce concussions. Okay, now, the motivation behind that, I'm not going to get into the motivation, but the reality is they're looking to reduce concussions. And, and somebody somewhere, probably some Elliot somewhere at the NFL who's looking at the stat sheet said, look, you've got 19 concussions on kickoffs. So how do we reduce that? Well, let's do what they do in college. Let's say if they fair catch the ball outside of the end zone before the 25-yard line, then they'll get the ball in the 25. So that's the rule, okay? If you fair catch the ball in between the 25 and the end zone in that area, the 25 yards, the ball will automatically be placed at the 25-yard line. So the goal here is that Teams will just kick the ball in the air. They'll just fair catch it because they don't want to get hurt. And then they'll get the ball to 25. I don't think that's how this is going to play out. There's a lot of NFL special teams coaches that don't think this is how it's going to play out. But that's the rule change. What do you think, Elliot? How do you think this will play out? Um, football coaches are compulsive gamblers. If there's a possibility that they can still break off a long run, I think, of course, they'll attempt to do it. Um, okay, let me tell well, you the, the downside of this. If somebody calls a fair catch, then muffs the punt or muffs the kick, okay? So they, they try to catch it and they drop it. At that point, the team that muffed the punt or muffed the kick cannot advance the ball. So let's say the ball is kicked to the three-yard line. The guy throws up his hands for the fair catch and drops the ball. At that point, the best the offense can hope for is that they jump on the ball and like it gets down on the three-yard line because they can't pick it up and run it forward. Okay. Can the other team recover it? The other team can recover it. Okay. Well, all right. So there's a massive pileup. So you've got this this – decision to make right do i just catch the ball and if i drop the ball after i get no fair catch right i'm just going to catch it and then run but if i do that and then i drop the ball i can pick the ball up and still run but if i fair catch the ball and drop the ball the ball is at the three yard line period okay well so i think why? Well, if you believe in yourself, you don't fair catch it. You just catch the ball and run like normal. Right? Okay. So then oh. the rule is not preventing concussions. And yeah, 11, I with that. I think it, 11 out of uh, 19 concussions happened on plays where a receiver caught the ball in the end zone and then took it out. So this rule isn't going to eliminate that. Right. 
Yeah, I don't really understand what the rule is going to do that's going to prevent a concussion. I don't get it. So, why, the conspiracy- why, what's the idea? Um, what's the logic behind it? I, I, I haven't been convinced that there's going okay. to be one concussion prevented. So the logic, I mean, look, you're going to get me into conspiracy theory, Elliot, and then you're going to be like, what the heck? Yeah. What, did I just, what, what rabbit hole did I just go down? But the NFL wants to look like they're they're working on concussions. Okay, that's true. So, how is the rule supposed to, you know? Because suppose I have an IQ of five. Okay. Now tell me how the rule is going to reduce the concussion. Okay, here you go. We had nineteen concussions on kickoffs, so we're going to prevent kickoffs by letting teams fair catch the ball. Therefore, there won't be concussions. That's the logic behind it. Okay, and why, what I'm saying is I the logic fair, doesn't make sense. Why will I fair catch the ball? Because if you fair catch the ball, say at the five-yard line, then you can get the ball at the 25. So I'm incentivizing you to oh, fair I catch see. the okay, ball. So I do get some automatic yards if I fair mm-hmm. catch it. Um, that's, you know, if I have a really bad kick returner who can't make it to the 25, Oh, okay, I get it. So, it's so if you have like yards. the designated kick cut catcher, you know, we we bring out Mike Pettin's designated kick catcher. This okay. might be a good thing. All right, hey, Elliot, we're up on a break. We we've long past okay, time for a break. a break. Let's take a break, and then we'll come back to the third rule change. Okay. All right. So you're listening to football philosophy and rocket science with me, Joel, and Elliot. We'll be back after the break to pick up the third NFL rule change. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. Thanks for hanging on. This is Joel Cade. I'm here with Elliot Kennel. Um, we're here to break down these rule changes here on football philosophy and rocket science. So the third rule change that the NFL brought out is the flex scheduling for Thursday night footballs. Yes. Football. So I think this is an attempt to make uh, Amazon Prime happy because they own the rights of Thursday night football. So they're trying to avoid these late season games where you've got two teams that are out of the playoffs and they're just not going to, nobody's going to watch Thursday night football in that situation. So the rule here is yes, there's going to be scheduling flex scheduling uh, based on a few things. One, there has to be a 28 day notice on the flex schedule. So if you want to flex week 17, you got to give them basically notice by week 13 that you're going to flex the schedule. 
And two, the the flex scheduling has to occur between week two and week 17. Obviously, week 18, you're not going to have Thursday night football because everybody plays on Sunday. Um, I think that's still the case. I don't know if they've changed that or not. But you have everybody playing on Sunday so that everybody has the same amount of rest going into the playoff week. So week one is set up already, so you're not going to flex that game. So it's 2 through 17 with a 28-day notice. Thoughts? Who makes the decision you're going to move a Sunday game up to Thursday? Is that the idea? Yes. Who makes that decision? I'm guessing it's Amazon Prime. Okay, so it's the players have no control over it. It's Correct. Amazon Prime. Well, I mean that makes perfect sense that you get to have the uh, better, you get to punish the better teams. Um, Essentially, so that, yes. Yeah, so that favors the Cleveland Browns. So I'm all for it. <laughs> well, the Browns already have a Week 17 Thursday night game, right? So maybe they get flexed off. Yeah, I maybe, was wondering about that. Maybe was, the Jets are garbage, and they decide, well, we don't want to watch the Jets and Aaron Rodgers limping in down the end zone. Let's yeah. let's 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 uh, put some other game on. Yeah, I'm very doubtful. I've mentioned this on some of the other shows. I'm very doubtful about a 40 year old quarterback making an appearance on short rest. I don't know that I think that's going to be a good game. And I'm not even sure whether you know uh, older quarterbacks tend not to show up. At the end of the season, I don't know. Let's be honest not not many Thursday night football games are good games. Not many are. You're coming off that Sunday game, and then the team who travels usually loses. Okay, and yeah. on top of that, if you are a team and you get up by 14, the other team usually just quits. They're like, "What am I going to do this for? I just like played Sunday. I've had four days off." Or three days off. Now I'm trying to like to come back at 14 down. Most of those teams just quit. They're like we're just gonna pack it in and go to the mini buy. It's so, very difficult. Yeah, especially if you're supposed to. Okay, we need to start throwing bombs now. Mm, how much do we got in actually in the tank to do this? Right. So it becomes utilitarian, kind of like, is it worth it to try to come back after we have? We, if we do this, are we gonna get hurt? Mm it's better off just start putting the backups in like the second quarter if you're down. And I'm pretty sure this is what goes on. So I don't know. I mean, I think prime probably overpaid for Thursday night football, but it's not going away because honestly, I watch Thursday night football. I know on Thursday night, this is going to be a terrible game, yeah, but well, I watch I'm, it anyway. I'm gonna watch it. I'm going to watch it, but I do have some empathy for the players. I think it's a ripoff for the players. Um, Again, it's bad for teams that play in media centers like Dallas, like like uh, New York, like Los mm-hmm. Angeles, like San Francisco. And it's great for teams that are sort of flying under the radar like Cleveland, like Detroit, places like that. Uh, so, yeah, it's great for the Browns. I'm happy. All right. So let's go to the bonus content. Mm. Bonus content. All right. Yeah. So let's. Let's move to our next topic, the bonus topic, locker room cancers. Now, I know this is a, a topic near and dear to Elliot, so I'm going to let him lead off with this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, kind of concerned about that, that, um, you know, there was a really excellent article pointing out that Zadarius Smith has had trouble with his uh, recent uh, teams. And, that we and where would they to- find that article, Elliot? In Dog Pound Daily. And who was the author of that? Um, I think it was some guy named Cade. At was the it? left guard. 
At the left guard. At the left guard, yes. We're talking about my article on Dog Pound Daily, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Self-promotion. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to um, uh, question uh, how much conduct do we actually want to expect uh, from a defensive lineman? I'm, I'm actually thinking that I'm pretty happy if a defensive lineman um, stays out of jail. I think that would be good. <laughs> you have such high standards. Yeah, I Just do. Just stay out of jail. We're good. Stay out of jail. <laughs> um, if, you, if you punch a teammate, I forgive you. Um, I, uh, I don't think I want to have everybody be a Boy Scout. I think it's great when players understand uh, the gifts that they've been given and give back to society. I admire people who do that. But I think that uh, it's probably... Uh, wrong to demand that from our players. And uh, I'm not really that concerned about uh, problems like that. I'm definitely not concerned about players uh, who have problems with the front office. Yeah, I think that's where I want to jump in. Like, his issues seem to be with the front office. He doesn't seem to have a lot of issues with the locker room itself. I was yes. responding, that article was responding to Albert Breer's comments on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, where somebody asked him, um, is this a Jadavian Clowney 2.0? And his response was, maybe. And the article I came out with was, you don't win football games with Boy Scouts. I mean, there was a lot that went wrong with Mike Pettin era in football, but he had some good one-liners that were absolutely true. And this is one of them. You don't win games with Boy Scouts. And he came out in a press conference and said, if you just look into the background of all these people we draft and you really understood what this was about, you would just be horrified. You just, you don't win games with, with the good guys. Now you have good guys, but you're going to have to sprinkle in some, some pepper with that salt. You know, you're going to have some people that's going to shake up the room a little bit. So I'm okay with someone like Zadarius Smith, who's had issues with contracts Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I'm very sympathetic with the players. Actually, I want them to get all the money that they can. Absolutely. I do want them to hire um, agents that are smart and that are sharp and do the right thing by them. Like like Lamar Jackson's agent? Yeah, I was just going to mention, that's one of the reasons why I've been on Lamar Jackson's cases. I love Lamar Jackson. I don't feel that Lamar Jackson acted in his own best interests. And I really wish that he had gotten an agent to handle his business affairs. I don't think he set a good example for other prominent athletes. And what are you paying this agent anyway? Like 3%, 3 4%? I mean, it's dictated yeah, they're, by they're the rules. NFL Player Association. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, Just, I, I don't I, think I would... he should do uh, what he did. I don't think you, you know, people who say, that, oh, I admire Lamar Jackson for standing up for what he believes. No, hire a guy that is trained to do that job and let him do the job for like three cents on the dollar. You, you know, I don't I just I don't tell you how to do philosophy. You don't tell me how to do rocket science. It's pretty simple. And I don't tell a professional agent how to do their. Well, actually, I do tell them how to do their job, but I don't actually attempt to be an agent. I don't actually get, actually attempt to play football because I'm no good at it. Otherwise, I'd do it. But uh, yeah, you should not be your own agent in sports. That's just not a good idea. And I'm don't sorry. hire a rapper to be your agent either. That's my second piece of advice. But 
Anyway, locker room cancers. Let's talk about Elijah Moore. Have you read well, up on let's Elijah talk about Moore? Elijah Moore. Uh, we can talk about Elijah Moore, and let's talk about being overconfident. Um, I, I think that a lot of people have placed enormous expectations on Elijah Moore, and he really hasn't had a good season with the New York Jets yet, and he hasn't really had a good stretch of games with the New York Jets. Now, we can make up reasons for that. I don't, I don't want to say excuses, but truly the New York Jets have had famous quarterback problems. Maybe they're even, though, uh, exaggerated because, you know, it's New York. And uh, if they don't have Joe Namath at quarterback, we've got issues with the New York Jets. And guess what? They haven't had Joe Namath for like 40 years. So there's problems. Um, that's, that's <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be the, the one that makes the excuses. I mean, it's hard to be a good receiver when you don't have a good quarterback. This is why receivers, high-end receivers on the market, go to teams with good quarterbacks because they want the ball. They want someone who can throw them the ball. This yes. was OBJ's issue with Baker Mayfield. Now, whether it the, the issue was OBJ or if it was Baker Mayfield or if it was both of them, that's irrelevant, but that's what the issue was about. The issue it was about was, I'm a wide receiver, I want the ball, and this guy can't get me the ball. So Elijah Moore felt like he wasn't getting the ball, so he decided to go take it up with the offensive coordinator, and they had a little spat in practice. He was sent home requested a trade now he's a cleveland brown um that's the the long the yeah, short no, version true. of the whole situation so this guy might be a locker room issue of course you can always say these are what right receivers are they're like give me the ball i mean so chad johnson that wasn't chad johnson it was uh i can't think of who it was it was cousin wrote the one that said give me the damn ball wrote Keyshawn, the ball. Uh, Keyshawn, johnson. Keyshawn johnson yeah that was Chad Johnson's cousin, by the way. But yeah, just give me the damn ball. Like that that's that's the mentality. And that's what you want the mentality to be. But you don't want him out there cussing out your offensive coordinator for it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you do. I, I don't care about that. Well, uh, what the numbers say, you know, number one is, is that he did not get the ball. He, he was not thrown, he was not targeted uh, often. Uh, Elijah Moore was not targeted by the New Yorkers. That is true. But it's also true that he did not catch the ball when he was targeted. His catch percentage was not very high, and he was not uh, targeted for the deep ball. These were short passes that he was mm -hmm. not catching. Now, whether it was because the Jets quarterbacks and they had a different one every two weeks, was it because they couldn't throw short passes, or was it because he could not catch short passes? But anyway, the, you know, the numbers are not there. I think what the issue was is that when you're in college, that ball has that white stripe on it. And then when you get to the NFL, it doesn't have that white stripe. I've heard receivers having real issues, particularly in training camp, where they're catching the ball, the ball's thrown to them, and they can't catch it because it doesn't have the white stripe to, to be able to watch the ball. Yeah, but these are 10-yard the passes. He didn't catch deep balls. These, these, you know, his, uh... Elliot, I'm talking about a Bengals wide receiver. You may not remember this, but... Uh... Uh, what's his name down in Cincinnati? What's his, the the big guy? Jamar Chase. Jamar couldn't, Chase? Couldn't catch a ball in training camp, and people were concerned before his rookie year because he couldn't catch a ball in training camp. Yeah. And he came out and said the reason he can't catch the ball is because he can't track it because it doesn't have the white stripes on it like it did in college. Yeah, he got over it, though, didn't he? Yeah, he figured it out, but I'm just saying. This Elijah is Moore's had two years to – 
compensate for the white stripe. Yeah, like and it hasn't happened for him yet. I'm 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 being facetious, so. Well, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not being facetious. I'm, I am. I am concerned about Elijah Moore. Uh, in, you know, his uh, yards per reception is pretty small. Even though his primary attribute is speed. Okay, mm-hmm. he's a little bit like Anthony Schwartz in that he's got a very good 40-yard dash time, um, but he doesn't have uh, a history of making long receptions. They throw the ball to him out of the slot, and they throw it a short distance and try to get him to use his speed to get around defenders and stuff, and it hasn't happened for him yet. Now, I hope that it does happen and that the Browns' offensive uh, uh, coaching staff will figure out how to get him involved in the passing game and that he'll have a breakout season for the Browns. But it hasn't happened yet, and Browns fans, man, we should never be overconfident. I don't know how it happens that every year we are overconfident about all the stuff that the Browns are going to do on offense, and we are just loaded with talent this year at wide receiver. We're not overloaded with talent at wide receiver. We have a lot of players that have played in the NFL and can probably make an NFL roster, but they are not uh, at at the point where they're you know starters and that they're for sure going to make uh, 800 to 1,000 yards piece that that is not the case why do you think browns fans get all overconfident in the offseason i have no idea i think it's probably uh, some sort of drug that's put in the water in the cleveland water system <laughs> every year the like like uh the browns are gonna win the super win bowl the offseason every year man nobody wins has an offseason like the cleveland browns i, I t- i'm gonna stay on this one for a second jacoby Brissett is a backup quarterback that's what he is. Okay. He's a backup yeah. quarterback. And we had Jacoby Reset. We knew that when I say we, I mean the Cleveland Browns knew that Deshaun Watson wasn't like the whole year was just lost, right? You don't have Deshaun Watson. You're just kind of like treading water until the second year mm-hmm. of his contract because you're mm-hmm. just waiting for him to come back. So you've got this career backup. Well, I can't say that. He started, but as he started, he proved he was primarily a backup. So you got this guy as a backup, you tailor the whole offense to him, and you're actually somewhat successful. And then Browns fans are like, oh my gosh, this guy's better than Deshaun Watson. We should retire number seven. Don't let anybody wear number seven ever again. Like, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> well, no, Deshaun where does, Watson, where does Deshaun this come Watson from? is a very acceptable quarterback, and in my mind, <laughs> uh, it was not a bad idea, would not have been a bad idea to build a team around a, uh, you know, a fair to middling quarterback uh, like Brissett and invest all that money, invest $230 million on defense. That, that is not a stupid idea. Uh, I don't think it's a successful one. I I mean, I don't think like, unless you've got Trent Dilfer out there throwing dimes in the Super Bowl. I don't. I don't know what you're going to be doing, and that's another reference to the Ravens Super yeah, Bowl. But. I don't. I don't know that investing in Deshaun Watson is a guaranteed success. Well, nothing's either. a guaranteed success in the NFL. There you I'll go. just. I'll just take my chances with the guy who's done it, and uh, he's been oh, a top five Watson? quarterback. At, he's been a top five quarterback. I, I'll been. take my chance. I'll take my chances next good. season. Well, I think we have no choice to t- 
but the two. Uh, I mean, 13 other teams wanted yeah. Deshaun Watson. Multiple teams have also come out and said they would have paid him exactly that guaranteed money because they know he's a good mm-hmm. NFL quarterback. Um, all right. So final thoughts as we're wrapping up. You got any final thoughts today, Elliot? Final thoughts is, yeah, okay. I'll just say that the um, Haslam's are not afraid to gamble and that this this year's team is the biggest gamble that I have ever seen. And, you know, the Browns could go all the way or it could be a disaster. But let's not be overconfident. Come on, guys. Let's Let's be positive, though. I think they could go all the way. I think they could. I think they but can go all the way. You know, but let's not right. get overconfident and assume that. I'm not buying my Super Well, I, when I hear overconfident, here's what I'm going to say about the final, my final thought and my response to overconfident. Overconfident to me says this team is so good that if they don't perform in the first four games, we're going to fire Kevin Stefanski. That is <laughs> unrealistic. That is unrealistic, okay? This is his first year with Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. You're not firing Kevin Stefanski. You're not and the team, the coach. You're not firing and the coach. team should not be like the if you think they're gonna come out and win all 17 games, that's unrealistic. If you think they're gonna come out and win their first four games, that's unrealistic. Most teams are one and one after two weeks. Okay. That that's this is what we're looking at. You know, so I think overconfidence is oh my gosh, we're not undefeated after four games and beat every opponent in the AFC North in the first four games of the season, therefore, or first five games of the season, therefore we're going to fire him. I think that's overconfident, borderlining on outrageous. So Let's play 17 games and then see how good the Browns are. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. All right, okay. Elliot, I'm going to roll the thing here. Thanks, everybody, for stopping by, listening, spending some time with us. Uh, go Browns. Go Browns. Thank you for listening to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow Joel on Twitter at the Left Guard and Elliot at the Village Elliot.